Amen. And we, we've been in this series, Jesus Is, and we've been walking through these traits of, of Jesus. And Paul says it best. Paul was an intellect. He was a very smart guy, philosopher. And he says, you'll remember, friends, when I first came to you, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. So I'm just telling you who Jesus is. And Jesus and what he did, Christ, Jesus crucified so he kept it plain and simple. He, went, he, could, he could argue with the best, the smartest, but he kept it simple. So that's what we're doing. We're keeping it simple. We're taking all these theological ideas that we learned in our last series and we're pulling them down to just Jesus. And we're going to, because Jesus is the center of it all. And we talked about Jesus being our best friend in, in the first week. Uh, he went through it all. And and he's, he's available to us today. Uh, he, he knows what you're going through. We talk about Jesus being our shepherd. He's the one that, that shepherds us and guides us and gives us and provides to us what we need, exactly what we need in every step of the way. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of Jesuses out there, guys, and we need to make sure we have the right Jesus because there's a lot of ideas. There's a lot of books written about who Jesus is and who Jesus isn't, but you need to know the right Jesus, and we find it here in Scripture. And I can go on and on and on about who Jesus is. There's so many traits of of Jesus, which I'll probably have to do a part two of a series because this one's leading up to Easter, and uh, I might have to either keep going after Easter if God tells me, or I need to do another series, uh, Jesus is part two, because there's just so much we could talk about Jesus. So I pray about what to share. And uh, next week will be it will be Palm Sunday. Praise Jesus! You know we're going to celebrate that. That's Easter too, guys. Yeah, every Sunday's Easter. I mean we're we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus every Easter. That's the whole reason we we gather. But next week is Palm Sunday. We're going to have communion together and. Uh, Grant will be sharing with us next week, uh, and we're going to, uh, yeah, give, give a hand clap to Grant. I mean, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. Uh, Jesus is the Lamb of God is what he's going to be talking about, the Lamb, perfect, you know, the, the sacrifice, to the Lamb of God. But this week I want to talk about Jesus as the miracle worker. Jesus as the miracle worker. And let me say this just to kind of start it off. Uh, we, we, uh, there's miracles that we miss out on all the time that are happening around us because we're focused on our problems. We're praying for a miracle and we believe in miracles, but a lot of times God's working miracles all around us. And it might take a different leaning, this particular message, because some of you are thinking about healing of legs and healing of cancer and all that stuff, and that's all part of it, okay? And we're going to talk about that a little bit. But I'm, I'm talking about the bigger picture of miracles, that God is performing miracles even when you don't see it. God is always moving. He's always performing miracles. And, uh, but some you know, of you have been discouraged because you've been praying for a miracle and you haven't received a miracle and you become jaded. And you think either two things. You either think that miracles are for then and not now. You know, I believe that Jesus did all those things in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, but I don't believe a miracle is available for me right now. And it, it's just gone. And, and then some of you are like, well, I believe that miracles are for right now, but it's not for me because he hasn't answered my prayers or he hasn't given me a miracle. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to look at what we call the first miracle. When we, in biblical interpretation, when you're studying the Bible, there's this thing called the law of first mention that you learn. It's the first thing you learn in principles of Bible study class, whatever, and it's when they mention something for the first time, it's best to go back to that in order to study it best. And if we're talking about miracles today, let's go to Jesus' first miracle, and that's the miracle in the wedding in Canaan. 
And uh, many of you are familiar with that, the wedding where he turned the water into wine. And if you're with me, go to John uh, 2, and you can also go to our events in, our, in the Bible app. Uh, if you're familiar with the YouVersion Bible app, you can go there. And we have an events section. You can find Salt Church, and all of the notes are there. We, we, we stopped handing out paper notes before the pandemic, and it just worked so well. None of you, all of you leave your notes in your seats anyway and stuff, and we were wasting a lot of trees. So we just said, let's just keep it online. So, um, uh, so uh, follow along with me here in John 2. And it says, on the third day, a wedding took place in Canaan in Galilee, and Jesus' mother uh, Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, there's not a single detail that should be left out of this story. I, I want to let you know that every little detail of this story is, is very, very important. And if you know anything about weddings, how many of you are married here or have been married, um, you know how important a wedding is that day. Everything has to go perfect. The expectations are very high. Very, very high. They, I mean, I've done a lot of weddings, and there's always something that goes wrong in a wedding. Always, guys. Just, just prepare. If you're not married yet, if you're a bride, and you have this great expectation of your wedding, trust me, something's going to go wrong. Something just does. It always does. I don't know why it happened at our wedding. Things were out of place. We ran out of this or we, you know, it's just, and, and, and people are going back and forth about their opinions of what a wedding should be, their traditions, and, and uh, it's just a really, really tough time. There's a lot of a nervous energy going on because you're concerned about how that wedding's supposed to be. Just for example, um, if you want to bring it home, I'm sure George and Lydia wouldn't mind me sharing about their wedding. Uh, like, uh, so when we married them, she, she just reminded me the other week, and I was, I was studying over this last night, I said, Lydia's going to let me. She'd let me share this, that there was, we, so we're having a wedding in Chicks Beach, and um, it so happens to be a hurricane weekend, so we're rushing through that, <laughs> and, uh, and the best part of it was uh, when we were up in the front, and uh, Lydia had this awesome idea of doing the Celtic uh, u- traditional unity, uh, I believe they call it the unity cord, right? And unity cord is a ribbon that, that shows unity. And uh, she was super excited about it, and, and uh, we were doing it together. And we were up there at the, at the front, and, and I start going through this beautiful uh, message about, like, the unity of two people coming together. And I said, now the unity cord. And she looks at George, and George looks at her, and they're like, we don't know where the cord is. <laughs> so I'm just like, okay, let's improvise here. So come together, and we're, like, pretending there's a cord. And... And, 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 and ooh, you know, and it, it worked out. I think it worked out anyway. We kind of, y'all come together. Don't let anybody see. Let's pretend a little bit here. Um, and I, and there, that's actually a minor example. I mean, I've walked out where me and the groomsmen had, had, were waiting for 15 minutes for the bride to come out. We were wondering if she was even going to come out, right? We saw her shadow behind the window there or the door, and we were like, oh, man, what's going on? And we're just looking at each other. They were supposed to be out 10 minutes ago. Did she, not, did she run away? Or is it gone? I don't know. You know, you know what to expect. They finally came out, but I'm telling you guys, it's, it's, it's a lot of pressure. There's high expectations. Even in Jesus' day, it was high expectations. A wedding was really important, and we focus on the ceremony, but they focus on the feasts. So that's why wine went day, and the wine was gone. This is a big part of it. Uh, uh, it it's like the preacher, the groomsman, not showing up at a wedding. <laughs> the wine's not there. What, what are we going to do? Uh, Jewish, uh, Jewish tradition has this saying, where there's no wine, there's no joy. 
Somebody in another service said, said, amen. And I said, another sermon for another time, okay? <laughs> but it was very important. And this message is for those who have high expectations about life. Sometimes marriages don't go the way you think. Kids don't go the way you would hope that it would, it would go. And, and your finances don't go the way you thought that this would go. Your jobs, whatever it is, it's just not what you expected it to be. Hopefully this message will encourage you today and, and, and you'll take something out from this. So here's, here's, here's what, what happens in this, this miracle, this expectation of, 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 of what we expect God to do. What, what, what do we do in that process? What, what leads us to that, that place of, of, of being miserable? Okay, um, it's, it's, We focus on feelings instead of faith. Feelings over faith. So, so if we feel it, it must, you know... We, we don't practice faith. We practice feelings. Uh, when the wine was gone, it was gone. They, they thought that it was a disaster. They focused on the natural rather than the spiritual solution. They had a natural problem. And, and they focused on that. It was a great day. It was a beautiful day. A lot of things were going well, but they were, there's the wine. Everybody's going, going where, where, where's the wine? What, what's going on? And you've seen the chosen, how they're in the background. Oh, no, oh, there's no wine. What? There's no wine? Even the, 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 the people, the, the wine people were like, whoa, no, this has never happened before. And everybody's just, they're, they're, they're focused on the situation rather than what, 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 what's actually going on on the outside. Everybody was still having a great time. Nobody knew about the wine. It, 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 was, it, was, it, was a, it was a good time. And you feel like, sometimes you feel like your world's falling apart. You're in places where you just, oh, just nothing seems to go right. And all we can focus on is that situation. And it's easy to do that. I'm not, I'm not faulting you for it. I go through that too. It's easy, especially when it hits home and it hits hard. And it hits deep. And you're thinking, what? Uh, why is this happening? And instead of knowing that something bigger is happening, we're focused on that. We live by faith and not by sight. We can't always see what's going on. God's got a bigger picture. There's an eternal picture going on. We focus, instead of focusing on the natural, we should be focusing on God's power inside of it. What's going on? He's getting ready to show off and show off big in our situation. But we focus on the problem and, and, and what God's doing is, in the, is not in the natural realm. It's in the supernatural realm. And we need to be thinking supernatural faith rather than what we see. Number two, what do we do then? We, we take matters into our own hands. It's, it's us over God. Well, if God's not going to do it the way I want Him to, the way I need Him to, when I want Him to, then I'm just going to take it on my own. Yeah? I'm going to do it myself. Because God's not, you know, maybe, maybe I just need to be God for a minute, you know, see how it goes. But the problem is it never works, does it? When we decide to do things on our own. If God doesn't act the way I want Him to, I'm going to, this is what Jesus' mother did. In fact, this wasn't even her wedding and she was taking matters into her own hands. Jesus, you've got to do something. We've got to do something. We, look, look, there's no wine. She's like, he's like, woman? <laughs> he calls his mom woman. He's like, like what would you have of me? Don't you know this is, you know, I'm about my father's business? Now, come on, you know? And she, she's, she's trying to take matters into her own hands, and, and it's not even her wedding. And, and a lot of times we, we do that. Something that's God's, we want to take on our own. If he's not going to figure it out, I'm going to figure it out because we think we're God. 
We think we can handle the situation. When we lose something, when we go through hard times, we want to do it on our own. That's why Isaiah, in this situation, he's dealing with this very, very thing with the Israelites. He says this uh, uh, in, verse, in chapter 30, verse 15. It says, In repentance and rest is your salvation. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You wouldn't do any of it. You wouldn't repent. What is repentance? Repentance is turning. It's not just confessing. It's easy to confess. Oh, man, dude, I, I really messed up, right? It's easy to do that. But the problem is we go right into doing it again. <laughs> and there's no, re, there's no real repentance, right? And, and what, we, what we need to do is repent and turn. It means turning back and aligning back with God and what, what He's about. When we repent, when we confess, confession is definitely a part of it. We need to confess it, but we need to also turn back. And he says, rest. You know, that means stop it. Just stop it. Just, just rest in the salvation of the Lord. The miracle of salvation is available to you. And, and, uh, and, but none of them would have it. But he, he wanted them to stop. And you get context of this. You go on to verse 16. It says, you said this. You said, no, we will flee on horses. Now, Horses is symbolic in Scripture, in a lot of places in Scripture, symbolic of doing things in our own power rather than God's power, that our own horsepower, you know, we're going to do it. And we don't have horsepower, obviously. We only have manpower. And it says, no, we will flee on horses, therefore we, you will flee. And, and then it says, you said, we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift, meaning... You can do it on your own, but you'll never get past your pursuers because they're going to always come after you. They're always going to be there. If you do it on your own, you don't have the strength to outrun your pursuers. You just don't. You can't do it on your own. You need to do it God's way. And then it says in verse 17, And a thousand will flee at the threat of one, and at the threat of five you all flee away till you have left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill, meaning you are isolated. You're like, you know, you keep running it the way you are going on your own. And then one day you look back, you don't even realize it because it happens in increments. You're like, how am I a million miles away from God? How did I get away from God? How did I get out of a line with God? Because you've been running it on your own for so long. But here's the beauty of it. That sounds negative, but here's the positive part. Because God always has a promise on the other side. Isn't this amazing? Look, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He's like waiting for you. Therefore, he will rise up to show you compassion for the Lord is the God of justice. Blessed are all of those who wait for him. He longs to, you know, that longing to be gracious to you. He wants to pour out graciousness and blessings on you. And he's just waiting for you. You can be 20 feet away from God and you can turn around one foot and be right back into his loving arms. His grace is there available for you. So if you're here today, somebody needs to hear this. You've walked so far away from God. You have. But I want to tell you that God is right there ready to receive you back into His loving arms. You can make that decision even right now as I speak. Somebody here today needs to hear that. That God is available for you right now. Just, just run back into His arms. If you've never run in, ran into His arms, do it today. Yeah, just give Him an opportunity to just love you and, 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 and rescue you and save you. And for, but for many of us, you know, Lord, you know, I need a, a miracle and we do it on our own. And that's the point there. And then thirdly, we exaggerate the negative. We, we look at the problem over the promises. <laughs> the problem's easy to focus on. Oh, this problem. Uh, and, and some of you are frankly just Eeyores. <laughs> if you know what an Eeyore is, if you're, uh, everybody knows Eeyore. 
Oh, it's just always going to be this way. It's happening again. Oh, I, I remember this guy who was so blessed uh, back about 10, 15 years ago in my ministry. He was in one of my small groups, and we were, we were talking, and, and, and he was like, he had a successful business, and he was doing so well. Well, I'm just waiting for it to fall apart. I'm waiting for the, and it's just like, man, you don't even see what God's done because you're so focused on whatever it is that's going on in your heart. Like not having confidence in himself was his issue. And for many of you, you have that problem. It, 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 you know, God's got this. Why don't, why don't we have that attitude? It's, it's, it's good to go to God for, for things, you know, with problems. And some of your prayer lives are very problem-focused. And that's okay. God wants to hear your problems, but they're all problems. Some of you need to just uh, stop focusing on your problems and focusing on your God. Like, uh, it's not about, you know, your, your problems are, are too big. How about your God is bigger than your problems? And you need to place your problems in God's hands and stop moping and stop whining and, and start living. God is good. God is, is peace. God is hope. God is love. God is all this. God, you need to tell your problems uh, to God, <laughs> you know, my God's bigger than my problems. And he has a, a, a promise. He has promises available to us. That's what they were doing in, in the wine, uh, in, in the wedding. Uh, the, the, the wine's gone. The wine's gone. You know, and that was it. There's no hope. What are we going to do? It ends there. But there's a promise. And, and, and there's, it, there's, we need to be people of faith. Okay. We need to be able to walk in faith. What, what is it like to walk in faith? Well, walking in faith is, is, is we see, we don't see by physical sight. We see by spiritual sight. We, we, we see things in, in, in the eternal realm than we do in front of us. And we need to know that every promise is available to us. He says, made, they are what? Yes. Yes, in Christ Jesus. You, Christ, He has available to you every, every solution to every problem you have. And, and honestly, we just simply don't, don't understand God. We don't, okay? You're not going to understand God. He's, he's too big. He's bigger than you. He's better than you. <laughs> Let me just say it like that. I know it feels like you're better than Him, and you're, you're pretty good, but you're only, we're only great because of Jesus Christ. Amen? Through Jesus Christ. He makes us great. He makes these feeble people he makes them great. And, and we walk in faith, not by sight. Now, this, and this isn't just blind faith, guys. This is faith. There's substance behind our faith. We see substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. We don't just like faith, 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 and faith itself. We have a substance, and we have Jesus Christ who is our faith. So we able to, we're able to walk in faith knowing that. And so, so when we don't see, when things aren't working out exactly what, like we think they are, we can trust in God's promises uh, Peter Zuberg, I, I mentioned him over and over again. And if Peter's watching, I'm going to send this to him later on because I'm, I'm giving, he, he likes it when I do this. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> just playing Peter. Um, he's on my board, and, and he was a part, he was one of the first families in our church, and he, his, his child died of cancer. And we talk about it often. We raise money for our building, and we give a portion of that money to, to cancer research for children and things like that. And um, one of the most mature things he said, I ever heard him say, is after Wesley, his child, passed away, he said, I'm not even questioning God. I, I've moved right past that. You know how everybody goes through that morning stage where they question God, why, why, why? I'm not even going to ask why because I'm not going to know anyway. Even if he gives me the answer, I won't get it. So why even bother? 
Why even bother? I'm going to move right past that <laughs> into the next phase and just trust God that his plan is perfect. He lost his child, and, and he said that. And I thought, wow, Peter, that's, that's the most mature, amazing, powerful, Holy Spirit-filled thing <laughs> I've ever heard you say, uh, to, to, to go through that. And honestly, we don't really have a choice whether to trust him. <laughs> I mean, he's God. He's got it all in his control. And, and you wouldn't need faith if it was too obvious, right? So, so we walk in faith, not by sight. So, in application, what, what do we need to take with us today? I want to give you a few things real quick, and then, and then we'll close. First of all, we need to obey God. We need to obey God. Do what Jesus says to do. Do what Jesus says to do, even if it's weird, even if it's crazy. Here, here's the thing. If we're waiting for a miracle to take place, look, miracles are miracles. There, there's a reason they're miracles, because they don't happen often. And sometimes they're, they're, they're weird. Sometimes they're not, they're not what we expect them to be. But do what Jesus says to do. In fact, his mother says, he turns to the people and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever. Remember in the story? Do whatever he tells you to do. Do whatever, whatever Jesus tells you to do. If you watch the chosen, you saw him. Do, do what he says to do. Do it. Just do it. Do it. And it not, might not make a lot of sense. It might not make any sense at all. God, God wants to perform a miracle in your life. He wants to perform a miracle in somebody else in your life. You just got to trust Him. Don't analyze it. Don't think about it. I mean, obviously, if it's not God, yes. <laughs> but if it's God, if you know it's God, don't try to think about it too much. Just respond. In Isaiah, it says this, This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. Meaning, he's smarter than you, he's bigger than you, he's better than you. He told Job, you don't even understand a single dew that drops out of the sky. You can't, how can you even begin to understand what I just did in your life? How, how do you begin to understand my day? We've got to go open up the Word of God. And what he says to Job, I love my healing all the time. And, 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 and that's a problem because Jesus taught us something. He said, I don't do it the same way every time. I, sometimes I just call it out and it happens in the house down the road, right? He didn't even have to show up and a girl, a girl was healed instantly, right? Or raised from the dead, whatever. It just happens. He does it. He does it. And, and there was one instance where they were trying to question, how is he doing this? How is he doing this? You know, he, he actually pulled dirt off the ground, spat in it, and made mud, and put it in a guy's eye. And you're like, that's gross. Why would he do that? He didn't have to do that. Because he was trying to teach us something. He never does the same miracle the same way. It, it's not a formula. And any time we start getting systematic with our formulas on God's miracles, then we kind of get in trouble because it becomes about us because we're trying to figure out God. And we can't figure out God. God has his own plans in, in, in place. And then the, and the next thing is uh, we, we need to focus, and this is a point that a lot of people don't like uh, to hear, is, is to focus on what God wants to do in you rather than what God is doing for you. Because sometimes He's just not going to heal you. Sometimes He's not going to take away the thing that you're asking Him to take away. Sometimes He's not going to rescue the person that you're trying to ask Him to rescue. Sometimes He's not going to come through on that that 
situation that you've been praying for for a long time. And, you've, and, and that's why we become jaded and, and hard because we think that God's supposed to operate. But he's trying to teach us something to process. And it's more important what he does in you than what it is he does outside of you. It, 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 he, it, we focus on, on, on the sick a lot, and that's great. We want to we focus on healing. But he, it's, it's more important for him to heal what's going on inside of you. The reason he performed miracles, he always pointed, when he performed the miracle, he always pointed to what the person really needed. Go and sin no more and go, you know, healed and, and he, he teach salvation to them, right? He, he, he'd show them salvation and, and, and he'd, he'd give them hope and, and he would teach the people based on those miracles. It wasn't just about the miracle itself. Remember, he was performing miracles and people just walked away when he stopped performing miracles because they weren't getting what they wanted, because they weren't getting the real miracle that they needed, <laughs> a change of heart, a change of life. That's the real miracle is salvation. Yeah. And he has that available for people. In fact, in John 2.6, uh, it says, And nearby stood six stone water jars, uh, the kind used by, by the Jews for ceremonial cleansing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. So he could have easily just changed the water into wine right there on the spot, but what did he do? He looked at a ceremonial cleansing jar. Why did he do that? Why did he do something completely different? Why did he go a different direction? He was trying to show us something. He was trying to teach us something. That the ceremonial cleansing, all that stuff that you guys have made up and put laws in front of laws, in front of, that tradition's gone. I'm getting ready to bring you a real joy. Now, the wine represents joy. I'm going to give you the wine of life. I'm going to give you the wine of life. And I want to, I want to fill, I, I came not only to fill your, uh, the, the, not only fill your wine glasses, but uh, to put joy back in the church. To put joy back in Christianity. Because some of you have gone through Christianity and all the joy is taken away. And he has a joy, the wine that flows, a fruitful wine that flows in Christianity. Amen? And through it, it's a joy to serve Jesus. It's not lame. It's not boring. It's not dry. It's not religious. It's not religious. It's not religious. <laughs> oh, gee, uh, people talk to me all. You know, you're a pastor. You're a religious person. I'm not religious. I'm not religious. I, I'm relationally connected to the man, God, who allows the wine to flow <laughs> and joy and freedom. Religion holds you down. God gives you freedom to live for Him. And there's joy in that. Amen? So God, what do you want me to learn? In fact, Peter says it like this. He was dealing with some people who were going through some pretty hard times. In this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may, be, you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold. It's, it's, it's greater than gold. The most precious, which perishes even though refined by fire and may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He cares. And that's a hard point, man, because some of us, frankly, are going to go through really hard times in life. He doesn't promise us perfect lives, but He promises joy, hope, peace in the midst of our trouble that He's walking with us and He's going to teach us something because we're thinking eternally. We're not thinking circumstantially. We're thinking eternally. Thirdly, uh, we want to believe the unbelievable. I believe that's the third point. We want to believe the unbelievable. Believe the unbelievable. He wants you to experience something unbelievable. 
in, in John 2, it says, Then he told them in the, in the banquet, now, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. So they did, and the master of the banquet wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. They were amazed. They were absolutely amazed. And Jesus looked at them, and in Mark it says, it says uh, as, as the disciples trying to figure out things, he said, you know, what, what is possible? What is possible? Because you just shared a bunch of stories about things that are just literally impossible. And he says this, he says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Don't think that he can't heal cancer. Don't think that he can't cure disease. Don't think that he can do things that are impossible. We need to be people who walk in faith, believing in the impossible. Never stop praying for miracles. Don't think that he can't save your friend that's so far away from God. Don't think he can't save your mother or your father that's so far away from God. Don't think he can't save your grandmother, your grandfather, or your children who are wayward. Don't think it's too, oh, they're so far away. They're devout atheists. They're so far from God. They'll never come. No, God can do the impossible. Believe the impossible. He he is a miracle working God. He is capable of doing anything. When you pick up that card and invite somebody to Easter that you say, I don't know if he can do this, I want you to instead say, I know he can. And I know he can't. And I'm praying that he will. And I know that he will. And I'm believing and I'm confessing that and I'm giving it to this person as I invite him to church. And they're going to come to church. And you're going to look over and you're going to see their hearts break for Jesus Christ. And they're, tear they're going to be tearing up. And you're going to tear up because you're going to say, my God is so good. My God is so great. He, believe the unbelievable. And then finally, expect the best. Expect the best. Everyone brings out, according to John 10, 2.10, it says, everyone brings out the choice wine. This is the, the, the head of the, the party. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, right? That's what you do. It gets a little buzzy and you bring out the, the worst wine. That was the tradition, you know, so they wouldn't know that the bad wine was on the back end. But you have saved the best till now. Jesus' miracles are the best. Whatever He decides to do is the best and we can expect the best. We can expect the best. They didn't, I, I love how the chosen, you know, they, they put that, that, they put it in the picture form where the guy comes out and he says, what, he, with gratitude, he's like, I'm just thrilled that, that you would save the best for last. That, that's amazing, you know, what, what a gesture is what he said. What a, what a wonderful gesture to bring out the best for last. And here's what you can absolutely put every bit of your confidence in. You can expect to guess the best when God's involved. You can expect the best when God's involved. Ephesians 3, 20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. Either way, whether he heals you or whether he doesn't heal you, he is a winner both ways. We're, we win either way. Amen? We win. expect the best because we know that God's plan is perfect. God's plan is powerful. God's plan is way above us and it's going to be the best for us because we think eternally rather than than now. So we, what, what we do is we, 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 we obey, right? We obey God, even if it's crazy. Even if God tells us to spit and I hope He doesn't do this. <laughs> tells you to spit in dirt and put it on somebody's eyes, right? Like we, we, we obey God and, we, and, and, and do what He says and focus on what He's doing in you. 
even regardless of whether he heals you or not. We're going to believe in miracles. We're going to believe in the impossible. And more importantly, we're going to expect the best. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for the power of the gospel today. We're asking the power of the gospel to even work as we're here today, Lord. Lord, wherever people are, God, begin to stir their hearts towards you, Lord. Your spirit is here today. And there are people here that are in different walks of life, different spiritual places in life, Lord. God, we just begin to speak to them right now, Lord. And there's somebody here today with all heads bowed and all eyes closed. There's somebody here today. There's different types of people. Let me, let me just give you three types of people. There's those of you who, who have become religious and are ready to, to get back to where you're supposed to be. There's, there's others of you that have walked away from church and you're ready to get back in line with Jesus Christ. You're ready to recommit your life to Christ. And then there are those of you who have, have not ever given your lives to Jesus. Maybe this is your first experience with the life-giving message of Jesus. Would you consider Jesus today? Would you consider that Jesus is all of these things that we talk about? And he wants a relationship with you. And he loves you. And you may be 20 steps away from him, but you can turn right around and come back to him today. Would you make that decision? The choice is yours. It's not my choice. It's nobody else's in here's choice. The choice is yours. The Spirit is calling you. Just make a decision to follow him. And if you'll pray this with me and make that decision, confessing there's nothing magical in the prayer. It's from the heart. So just pour from your heart your, your response to Jesus today. Father, pray this with me. Father, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross for my sin. I receive you into my life. I receive you back into my life. I, I, whatever, wherever I'm at, Lord, I, I receive you back into my life, into my life. I, I, I confess that I've, I've walked away from you, but today, Lord, I choose you. I choose you. Come into my heart. Make me a new creation. Walk with me. Rescue me, Lord. Give me joy. Give me the wine of joy and the wine of hope and the wine of life. God, I give my life to you today. I give my life to you today. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for rescuing me. Thank you, Lord, for for remembering me when I was on the cross. I'll see you in paradise. Amen. We ask this in your name. Amen. Can y'all give God a hand clap of praise? Amen.